Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome to Reply Guys, the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willett. And I'm Julia Clare. And uh, we are here today to talk about the Democratic losses um, in (laughs) the United States all over the country. Um, And, uh, you know, contrary to what some may believe, this is not because Democrats have repeatedly broken their campaign promises. It is not because they have failed to campaign in rural areas. It is not even because they have not enacted policies that make a material difference in the lives of voters that they need, or even because they have uh, failed to take the necessary action to uh, um, ensure voting rights for so many of their constituents. Nope. It is because of wokeness. According to the New York Times columnist, specifically Maureen Dowd, but this discourse is everywhere. It is it's wokeness that people do not like. Which is isn't this what we what we dealt with in 2016 too in a certain yeah it's like it's, it is just the same rehashed argument you know i, know. I mean it's like <laughs> i don't know i mean there are definitely a bunch of like culture war issues that like i mean a the, lot of the yeah time- the, the anti-critical race theory movement is wild but and that like i mean i think that definitely swayed things in virginia but also you know democrats the democratic party did what they love to do which is run like a milk toast centrist corporate democrat and didn't give you know they didn't give the voters of virginia a meaningful difference between the democrat and the republican Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is like, even when they, you know, even when, even when they are running on like, you know, material, material differences now, like, for example, you know, in the, the Georgia Senate seat races, um, you know, we'll give you $2,000 if you vote for us. I mean, they didn't do that. So I mean, there's not a lot of trust left, I think, with people. And um, I mean, like, uh, there definitely is some truth to like, there are, you know, these culture war issues that Fox News and, you know, all other, you know, Republican media is going to amp up like, oh, you can't say woman anymore. You have to refer to everyone at all times as a birthing person, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but I mean, like, that that news like that ecosystem is i don't even want to call it news like that exists and like it's going to be a thing so yeah i mean i, I, can, I mean I can, it, it definitely like has really bled into the mainstream those kind of like you know margaret atwood is the one who most recently was like you can't say woman anymore and oh yeah no no doubt these people are very stupid and like, oh no no, the, no for the, sure i'm just yeah. saying it's like it might have like, you know, the the incubation of it might have been at Fox News, but it, I just feel like it's everywhere now. Um, yeah, not not even just specifically like, you know, these ridiculous claims that you can't say woman anymore. But, you know, like there there is a lot of um, 
you know, I mean, like masks, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, probably one of the biggest culture war issues right now, mass vaccines. Right. I mean, like there's there's a right side on this stuff. And there's people who are really committed to like, you know, being on the wrong side of it or are misinformed or have like very extreme religious beliefs in some cases. But like I, you know, there's nothing that can really be done about that um, except for like, you know, offering people better choices, um, ensuring voting rights for everyone and actually like coming through on, you know, the things that would make a meaningful difference for people. Totally. But they don't want to do that. Um, instead, you know, it's just more means testing the shit out of everything, which basically means that like anything good they do for people is going to come with so much paperwork that even most of the people who qualify for it will not be able to access those programs. And then, you know, the rest of the people are, you know, going to resent the fuck out of it. I mean, means testing leads to these like welfare queen narratives. And, it, you know, it's almost like they are like actively trying to lose at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm tired. I'm tired. I I've uh, I've just I've just been putting my head down and trying to focus on local races. I will say I want to have um the guy who we had from um Bostopia News back on the show because Boston had a ton of uh great uh, socialist-backed candidates who won their city council seats, and um, Michelle Wu became yeah. uh, is now mayor-elect. But all that to say, it's been a a news-heavy couple of weeks. But I just wanted to say, uh, talk about something stupid that I saw today. Okay. Um, which is I was in the grocery store and I picked up a town and country magazine which i never have before i'm not really familiar with their content i only picked it up you look like you are familiar with it you thank have you the, so you have the much Christian girl autumn look yeah thank you so well it's more than that it's uh, i've i'm not familiar with their content but sarah snook from succession was on the cover and i'm obsessed with her so i just picked it up and oh my fucking god this magazine is like truly capitalist dystopia like it's for it's clearly for very wealthy people um as evidenced by on the cover uh one of the cover stories is how to cure inheritance anxiety oh my god and that's amazing i read the article and it's so funny <laughs> it's so wait can do you have any uh any any quotes we can hear? Well, it was basically, it's just like, first of all, the entire conceit of the article is that, you know, this is something that everybody's feeling. Everyone's feeling insecure about their inheritances, <laughs> which is so crazy. Um, uh, who's panicked about their inheritance? Seemingly everyone. And with a Am good, I right, ladies? And with a good reason. <laughs> and um yeah one of the things is like it's basically like telling you to process the grief of your inheritance not being what you thought it was um it says one of the sub headlines is accept what you can't change oh my god um stop confusing money with love uh you have to be patient to get your inheritance it's just so fun it's all so funny and there's also another segment 
about um yeah there's another segment about or article um about status surrogacy which is what's that i didn't even know it existed until now but it's women it's couples who are totally financially who are totally biologically and physically able to give birth to a healthy child uh but just don't want to deal with pregnancy so they outsource that aspect of it they get a surrogate just because they don't feel like being pregnant and that is a status surrogacy isn't that the most fucked up thing you've ever heard that is very 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 strange i mean this magazine is incredible i want to get a subscription it's just i mean i mean and here's another thing from the cover massages and martinis it's self-care uh, the billionaire giving grudge, and that article, interestingly enough, is about how um, billionaires are racing, are com- be, com- competing with each other to do the most philanthropy, which is so funny. And not we all know philanthropy is a sham; it's a way to uh, hide your money from from the government. Well, um, Elon just changed his name to Lord Edge on Twitter, right? And we and is saying that we he, are all, he can't afford to pay his taxes because he, you know, he he doesn't have uh, the cash. He'd have to sell his stocks in order to pay. Taxes. Oh God! Oh, wouldn't yeah. that be so hard? I was thinking about you when all this Chris Pratt stuff came out because people were really flipping out about it, and it's like, I mean, I think if you have any uh, experience with like evangelicals. That that's just real run of the mill evangelical stuff. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. My favorite thing is like people going off on Chris Pratt, and they're like, "I can't believe you know this guy expects women to be subservient," and it's like, "Bro, you also expect women to be subservient." Absolutely. You know? <laughs> I yeah. mean, look. Obviously, you should not expect your partner, your, uh, you know, your gal partner your non-binary partner you, sh- you should not because you are a, a cis heterosexual man expect people to be subservient to you but i mean uh not a new topic but like sexist guys who love having their mind blown by sexism is, is a very frustrating thing to me oh yeah 100 <clears throat> percent. i saw we, you know we saw a lot of that with the like Chris Pratt is just doing the most kind of exaggerated version of what a lot of guys actually believe. A lot of non-evangelical guys want for themselves. Like she does everything for me and in return I open a jar of pickles every now and again. Yeah, I mean, like it I don't know, man. I've I've lived with straight men. It's not like I think that I not to be a cynic, but like you know, like obviously, like this division of household labor that is common among so many heterosexual couples, like it is a real problem. And mm-hmm. you know, especially in the pandemic, it's I'm I mean, it's just it's like driven people to the point of you know despair and serious um, financial consequences as well. Like for you know women, even uh, giving up their employment to be able you know to take on like way more than their fair share of the household responsibilities but at the same time like 
you know, I think that this this issue of like women being expected to do way more that's not just a conservative guy thing that is oh no so common not couples of any political persuasion not at all i mean truly and i i mean i live i my my roommate is a straight man and our division of labor is not equal and he is a uh full-blown marxist so (laughs) full-blown marxist yeah yeah so it's like he has great politics but this 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 kind of phenomenon this is not saying i really like my roommate this is not saying anything um specific to him it's just that like this kind of bullshit knows no political stride oh absolutely a a couple years ago i went on a trip with um a, a bunch of friends of mine and you know everyone on that trip was definitely not only a, a Bernie Sanders voter, but a, an extremely enthusiastic Bernie Sanders voter. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was the women making all the food for all the guys. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I mean, it's. I'm not saying that, like, I mean, we could have refused to to do that. Right. But it's just really super easy to, like, fall into this, like, extremely gendered division of labor. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, e- e- the evangels, they're not alone in that, um, although perhaps the, the degree to which they're willing to articulate it is pretty creepy. It's so gross. Uh, it's so, Chris Pratt is so far gone. It's wild. Uh, but I, I recognize. I, you know, I, I get what he's uh, what he's doing. I he's like. He's in the first like five years of being born again, which is the, you know, usually the, you know, the newest converts are the biggest zealots. He literally, I mean, in that, like he was, he went on Instagram and was like talking about how he was feeling upset uh, the night before, went to bed angry and upset because people were reacting badly to that caption on uh, that he did about his wife. Uh, and he, then he talked about just, first of all, he was wearing an America sweatshirt, like an American flag sweatshirt and an American flag hat and like camo. And it was a lot. And he was like, said that he went into the woods and listened to his Christian worship music. And then God sat down next to him. (laughs) Hey, I have an imaginary friend sometimes too. You know? Like, what? and I say this, I, I'm someone who like, I, I like believe in God. So I like, I'm not an atheist, but I do. I just know that kind of clown. Uh, and I cannot abide by the like, <laughs> ugh, I just can't. Well, um, I don't think I can either. I went out on a date recently with a guy who was religious and it was like, oh, okay. You know? Um, <laughs> he, he was like woke religious. See, that's the thing. So we just have to permanently sort of retire uh, the word woke from our vocabulary, I think. Um, I mean, I, I I guess it's it's not unproblematic of me as a white woman to say that because it is a term that was uh, appropriated from black culture and well that's uh, well that's maybe took it and they they made it mean nothing and that's Um, and that's why we have to retire it yeah because we took it and ruined it yeah uh 
So anyway, we do have a really great episode for you this week. Um, I talked to a lawyer in Georgia named Lyra. Um, she is a extremely cool lawyer that works with sex workers. We talked about um, the specific issues facing incarcerated trans people. Uh, we talked about turfs. We talked about swerfs. We really, you know, ran through the gamut of, of, ex- of exclusionary like, radical feminists. Exactly. Earths. We're Earths. just going to call this episode Earths. Earths. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was good. I am going to be at Texas later this week. So if you are a listener of the show and you live in Austin, I will be at the Fallout Theater uh, on Friday and I will be at the uh, Comedy Hub Houston on Saturday. And I'm very excited about that. Um, So please come see me. I will not be uh, enrolling in Barry Weiss's new uh, university in Texas at this time, but I'm still... I'm doing my own research. Right. So we're all doing yeah. our own research um, about <laughs> uh, about Barry Weiss's uh, truth, fearless truth seeking university that isn't isn't accredited and doesn't offer degrees. Um, I will be at I'm going to be on a show at Union Hall in Brooklyn on Wednesday. So you want to come hang out i'm on george severus's new york comedy club new york comedy festival show um and it's going to be a lot of fun um also i just want to say thank you so much for everyone who uh has been um subscribing to our patreon and rating and reviewing us we ask you to keep doing both uh because it really helps make all of this feel like something <laughs> i agree thank you so much to our patrons we really 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 we appreciate so appreciate your you and we can't keep this podcast going without you if you are in a position where you do have five bucks a month we deeply appreciate your support we do not do any advertising we come here and produce this content uh totally for free sometimes at our own expense um and we love doing it it's important to us to keep it free but at the same time, um, we we could use some help we keeping the show going. Need help, uh, and yeah, we you know emotionally, but also financially. So right. if you do have five bucks, both you of know. those things. And you know, we've have we been approached by Barry Weiss's university for advertising opportunities? Yes, but we said no. Yes, exactly. We are ethical people. We're ethical, um, not. Non-monogamous. I knew you were yes, say ethical. <laughs> ethical, <laughs> comma, monogamous, Look, but it's fine if you're non-monogamous. This is a trad leftist podcast, but not that kind of trad leftist podcast. That's right. Yeah, we, I just happen to wear a lot of high-necked collars. Yeah, I just happen to want to share my life with one loving and supportive individual who could be any gender. Right. But just just one person, Um, you know, but... I think that women, women shouldn't yeah. be able to read. Yeah. And and on that note, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a big amen. Bye. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys. I am so excited to be joined this week. 
by Lyra LB, who is an attorney in Georgia. Uh, Lyra, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm a big fan, so I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited that you were able to come on. I um, Last week, I read one of your Twitter threads that I thought just had such a great explanation of why people have so many misconceptions about what will actually help um, make life safer for sex workers. Um, and I, I just thought you were like uh, amazing at explaining it. We've, we've talked about that topic on the show before, but you know, one thing that has been coming up recently a lot is how these issues pertain to safety for a lot of trans women. And, um, you know, just thinking in general, like people who suggest like, oh, you know, we can just like criminalize, uh, the people who patronize sex workers, but not sex workers themselves. I, I was wondering if you'd be willing to go into like from a legal perspective, why that particular way of doing things would be so dangerous. Well, I, I, there are a couple of different ways that they make it illegal. I, I guess I should say, first of all, that I'm trans myself. So a lot of what got me involved in this was just seeing that, um, and I don't have any statistics on this or anything like that, but just from my personal experience that a lot of the trans people that I knew who weren't in poverty were sex workers or they were born rich or like me, um, didn't come out until they were already in a sort of, um, quote unquote, elite career. So especially with there being so many barriers on hiring and more um, higher paid careers with trans people, a lot of them are um, are really dependent on sex work. You hear a lot of even progressives or alleged progressives who want to criminalize some, the consumers of, of sex work, and that's either by punishing John's uh, clients who get direct sex work uh, escorts and that kind of thing and then there's also laws of usually targeting some kind of human trafficking aspect allegedly but that end up cracking down on porn and of course they're you're not criminalizing the, the johns but you are making it so that there are fewer platforms for uh sex workers to use to produce that and get it out and and reducing the control that they have over their output. We've talked a lot about SESTA-FOSTA on the show before and the impact that that's had on sex workers. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of well-intentioned people who are concerned about like, you know, some of the things you're saying, like people entering sex work because they don't have you know, other options. And then, you know, like what people would say is no people like should have other options. Like it's a big problem that people don't have other options. And I thought that your response to that was, was really one of the more thoughtful responses I've ever seen to that question. Well, thank you so much. I mean, I think anything involving commodifying of sex, the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people, even progressives, is 
objectification of women, commodifying women. And of course, there are not just women sex workers, but the, the types of progressives that are not the greatest at looking out for sex workers are the same ones that are using terms like, you know, women or, or having stereotypes about who is a sex worker. And in the way that I ex explained it is that, you know, there are really kind of three types of people who are doing sex work who would rather not be. Uh, the, the most famous would and, and sort of like prominent in national conversation would be human trafficking or human sex trafficking, which absolutely is real and looks very different from the idea of it that most people have that you know there are movies and horror stories and, and stuff about kids getting like snatched up out of the playground or uh, t-ball practice and getting like sold into um into into sex work and that kind of thing may, may well happen um I've, I've never personally seen it or heard of it what usually happens is you have someone who is not a convenient victim, not a perfect victim. You usually have someone who is uh, coerced through some way, either for a relationship, coerced through uh, drug addiction, or just has no other options um, other than reliance on their trafficker. And often traffickers are family members or boyfriends. It's, it's usually not just that somebody grabs you off the street and, um, and then you're taken away and, and um, put into like a horrible situation like that. And even, you know, among the minors that end up in sex work that way, they're typically old enough to be tried as adults old enough to have run away from home, to be abusing drugs. And I, I don't mean to like perpetuate stereotypes, but it's, it's, it's simply that typically a an actual victim of human trafficking is not the innocent person, the innocent according to like a conservative definition person who can call the police and who yeah. can get out. Or, and you know, just to kind of piggyback on that, in addition to everything that you mentioned, a lot of people who are trafficking victims are, are likely, you know, from some kind of marginalized backgrounds and the police may be unsafe for a whole host of other reasons, you know, even beyond what, like, you know, the, the nature of the, the situation that they're in. I mean, like it, cops aren't, really known for, uh, being particularly, um, respectful to, you know, trans people, to people of color. I mean, there's just many, many, many reasons that, uh, somebody wouldn't want to interact with the police. Right. And, and, and sex work on its own, if it's direct sex work is illegal. So even when there's no drugs, even when there's no other illegal aspect um, and a, a victim of trafficking, it has a real big reason not to trust the police and not to go forward. And there really aren't 
human trafficking whistleblower protections or something like that, where you could call the police and get a free out. And also I've, I've had clients who they didn't want to be trafficked, but they did want to remain in sex work or, or they were recreationally using drugs and it, they had no desire to, to, even if they could get plucked out of that life, consequence free as far as criminal charges lots of people do engage in involuntary sex work or feel like it's the, the best source of income for them so yeah that's just when you hear conservatives especially um or just pro-law enforcement circles in general talk about human trafficking you it i've seen billboards of little white kids, you know, riding their bike. And, and it says something about, you know, it, it, don't let this happen to your kid or, or whatever like that, you know, call the police if you see something suspicious. And there's that story on the, uh, you know, where someone had called the police on a white mom with a black child on a plane that was her own child. Um, because the stereotype is always somebody just abducting and this very convenient, innocent, perfect victim, as opposed to someone else who may have had run into the law, who, even if they haven't, is likely engaged in something that's illegal, even if they don't want to be. And uh, sorry to kind of over answer. Uh, no, it's, this is this is really important information, and I wanted to get into all this stuff. I also, I, again, I don't have statistics and I would imagine that what statistics are out there are not terribly ac accurate because a lot of it would have to be self-reported, but I, I have personally known people who had um, sex trafficking charges and they were just another sex worker among many. And that a lot of times the trafficker is smart enough to make the communication more direct between the, the senior sex worker and and or just that if it'll if it's a male trafficker and a and a, and a woman sex worker like you know there there'll be like a den mom or, or something like that I know this all just like sounds dramatic but a lot of times it's just, it's easier if you get phone records it's easier for the cops to prove that one of the a well meaning fellow sex worker was the trafficker than it is for, um, uh, I guess it's not offensive to say pimp. I don't know. That's the technical term uh, under Georgia law, at least is pimping. But the, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally had a client who had a pretty extensive criminal record from all of her sex uh, work arrests where the, the trafficker had actually no criminal record at all because just in every case the sex workers are more visible than the trafficker so there's this effect of the cops are going to prove what they can prove the strongest and a lot of times a lot of times there are these big sex work busts these human trafficking busts where there are no human trafficking charges given whatsoever um, I, I was trying to find a specific incident on Google before we talked of this um, bust where there had been 28 people arrested, none charged with human trafficking, all charged with prostitution. And 
I, I looked that up and I couldn't figure out which one I was talking about. And this is just in Georgia news. I couldn't figure out which one I was talking about because there were too many search results where that had happened. Um, so maybe nobody ends up getting charged with trafficking at all. And the only victims are, are sex workers. And then a lot of times the only people charged with human trafficking are fellow sex workers that we're not doing what you think of when you think of traffic. Yeah, I saw um, this article in the New York Times. It's pretty recently, past couple months. Um, it was a, a story of a minor who had actually been trafficked and she was able to escape from that situation, which in this particular case, like she, she didn't want to be doing that. Um, she was trafficked and uh, she went to the police and then she was arrested and put in jail. Um, and, you know, again, this is someone who was a, a teenager, uh, you know. Um, but, yeah, she was she was charged with sex work when she came, like, seeking help, getting free from a situation that she didn't want to be in. Right. And. That's very common. It's also what keeps people from getting out um and i you know it's possible that because of my because of where people are at when they need legal help um I, there might be sort of a, a a bias here where i'm tending to see people who are more at their their lowest but all, almost all of the the issues that i've done at least in georgia like directly representing someone and not someone that just reached out to twitter to for some advice or something. Most of those have involved drugs on some level and there are usually other charges that that can be brought. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the options for getting out of sex work, I, the Cuban trafficking is horrible. And, you know, I think conservatives like to sort of bring it up in bad faith because of that that image that a lot of people have of what a trafficking victim looks like. And it's like, I, I always want to say, well, no, I agree that these, these people need to be protected. It's just that the person that needs to be protected is nothing like what you're picturing and the laws that you are ostensibly putting in place to protect this person is actually criminalizing them and causing negative consequences for them. Uh, making it harder to get out rather than easier. And it's hard to even say what the solution to that is because even decriminalization of sex work probably isn't far enough that if with drugs, for instance, um, you know, the ability of people to get accessible, affordable treatment or mental health treatment or a lot of people end up trafficked through relationships that they're in and being able to some of those same resources that are needed just to get people out of abusive relationships relationships in general is the kind of help that is needed to get someone out who has been trafficked um and it's just it's it's really scary to think about and 
some of the people that I've been lucky enough to help with these sort of things have been bounced around from one trafficker to another and one criminal charge to another from state to state. And it, sometimes even because the trafficker did get arrested or there were some consequences to them. And even when someone can get out, it, it can be really hard to without that additional mental health support, addiction support, that sort of thing. So kind of looking at all of the issues that you mentioned so far, decriminalization would not be a full solution to helping people who want to escape trafficking, but it would, it would also be like, it would also help if second. It would be the big one. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure um, and um, from my understanding of what you're saying, that's because, you know, people who have been trafficked, like if they, you know, wanted to escape from that situation, they were being um, forced to, I don't want to even say forced to do sex work, they're trafficked. Um, but it's, it's not, you know, it's not a consensual or voluntary situation in any way. Like those people are in a situation right now where they can't go to the police because they're going to get charged with sex work, potentially even be charged with trafficking themselves. Um, right. and there's just really no, there's really no option. Right. And that's, it's unfortunately something that you see quite a lot. And, you know, as I've mentioned with clients that I've had, sometimes getting out from one abusive relationship where they didn't have any help to get out, they end up. Uh, in, in another one, just because, and I, I say that, of course, without any, without any judgment, it, it's just that the the coercive nature of the relationship is rarely as simple as I have a gun to your head you, and you are physically restrained, you can't get out. That can be an element of it for sure. But usually there is also some other, well, I'm a runaway from home. I have nowhere else to go. Um, my parents are both incarcerated. I've known, I've known um, uh, sex workers with, with um, who consider themselves to have been trafficked, where one or more parent was not present because they were incarcerated. There are just a lot of. There's a lot. A lot more of it is is coercive in a more complicated way than just literally being a, a prisoner. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, there are all kinds of reasons that people enter and stay in abusive relationships in general. And, uh, you know, there's many, many economic factors that prevent people from leaving, as you're talking about now. Like, you know, where do you even go? How do you even pay for yourself if you're financially dependent on the person? You know, there's trauma that people have um where you know perhaps they've been abused as as children and being in an abusive relationship it feels like that is you know a thing that happens i'm not even talking about just people who are trafficking victims at this point i'm just talking about like there's like a whole lot of people who have been in abusive relationships or are in abusive relationships and 
just not, there's just not great support in, in general for people who want to leave those relationships either, uh, you know, emotionally or financially. It's just, it's a, it's a pretty, we've kind of created a society where, uh, you know, people are, are going to be stuck in those situations a lot of the time, unless they have, you know, a, a support network in their lives, um, people they can stay with, uh, people who will be, you know, there for them. And, you know, in any abusive relationship that just gets like harder and harder the, the longer it goes on, because one of the main tactics that abusers are using is, you know, to make sure that their victim d- does not have that outside support anymore, either from like distancing them for, from their friends and their family. Um, you know, and it's just, it's not, it's, it's just very rough in the society in general, I guess, to get out of any kind of abusive dynamic. Absolutely. And it, it's definitely an abusive dynamic. And I think it really is one of those things where, as with abusive relationships, no, the people who won't believe the victim are always the ones who are insisting on there being a, a perfect victim. Yeah. And just as in, because obviously I think that there should be no stigma whatsoever to, to sex work. And I feel bad for even leading with human trafficking because so often that's the conversation that uh, cops and conservatives want you to be having when it comes to sex work. And they're really, the joke that I made the other day was that uh, all of these these sex worker exclusionary feminists, allegedly progressives, were coming after me talking about how the way that they would, they would say, oh, so you're excusing the porn industry. And well, first of all, I don't actually, I don't, I imagine that it's horrifically misogynist, but you know, so is healthcare. So is yeah. that is, and 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 nothing has to be inherently anti-woman, anti-sex worker. If you empower people in those communities, the people that want to be in those communities, empower them within them, and then also empower them to be able to get out when they want to. Uh, yeah, I mean that you know that's that's a very common talking point of uh, swerfs, you know, just like well, you know, how can how can we ever say that this is like consensual because you know we live in a society where a lot of people like you know can't do other things or can't you know get the education they want or can't have access to high paying jobs, and so you know we wouldn't even know if it was consensual unless we had that stuff. And like, they're obviously kind of weaponizing that for like, you know, reasons because they're anti-sex work, but like, yeah, let's make, let's make access to a high quality education available to everyone. Let's make it so that, uh, the minimum wage can, you can afford a one bedroom, you know, even with a minimum wage job. Um, but you know these people never want to spend time focusing on like maybe the actual um material changes that you know would make it so that 
if someone is doing sex work, that it's only people who are truly enthusiastic about it, of which there are many. Right. And that's, I, I know a lot of, I, like, I know a lot of en- enthusiastic sex workers. Me too. It's like the, the other joke I got to make the other day. I'm really, I feel lucky with that thread kind of blowing up that, that most of the, the sex workers that I personally know um, are either trans or are ones that I've worked with in a, a, a lawyer capacity. And uh, so I was really glad and that it sort of blew up among cis workers, sorry, sex workers of all types, cis and trans all across the spectrum. Um, because I was, I was kind of glad to find out that I wasn't talking out of my ass there, but um, uh, the, the joke that I made was that every sex worker I know and every lawyer that I know is like a former failed theater kid. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that does, I'm just running through the list of people I know in my head and they, that, that does check out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of theater people in there. Yeah. Right. And I don't, I, I don't even mean that as, as a, a bad thing, but like, yeah, if you have a way to be like a sort of entertainer, what, like, why would you not take that? And, um, I know sex workers who have relationships with their clients, the way that people do with bartenders, like you understand that there's a transaction involved, but you have your favorite bartender. Yeah. You know, that, like, oh yeah. And, and they might, and having been like a waiter before, I know that I had customers that would come in that I would get excited to see. And when you see sex workers who are in control of their income like that, you know, that's what it looks like. And, and, and a lot of the clients for sex workers, they might be total creeps, but they have to understand consent enough to understand I won't get anything if I don't pay you money, you know, and, and, and a sex worker of enough means who can, who you can afford to say no and has other options and everything. It just doesn't have to deal with somebody and find them creepy as long as you put them in, in sex workers in situations where they are in control of who they see, who they perform for, where their material goes, who has access to it. And, um, you know, that's, that's voluntary sex workers. I, I, there are a lot of people that just really would, would, would not be doing anything else if they could. There's no other option that, that like, that sounds better. And as you said, um, the, the swerves, they do, you know, a lot of them are uh, ostensibly leftist and say that they believe in minimum basic income or free education or all these other things. And it's just, but it's just never what they are tweeting about. It's never what yeah. they're agitating about. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you know, swerves, they, they certainly bear some... Uh, some similarities to turfs just in right. general uh <laughs> people who are just really on one and have their priorities really <laughs> fucked up you know you know what was what was bizarre with that thread blowing up because like honestly 
turfs don't usually come after me the way that they do my friends. I think that that might be like a lawyer thing. Like, they know that I have probably more means to do something about it if, if uh, you know, but they're, um, uh, I was surprised that this, this, their, the circles on the Venn diagram of swerfs and turfs does not completely overlap because there were swerfs in my replies arguing with each other um, because some of them were turfs and some weren't and, and, and just ridiculous shit like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, the, the turf thing is a good comparison that I know that J.K. Rowling is British, but one would think if you had such strong feminist feelings, you know, even if they were misapplied to uh, your to, to transphobia, one would think you would maybe tweet something about abortion rights being under. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like a lot of the a lot of the turf nonsense online, like you know, centers like on this kind of like idea that is completely made up out of whole cloth. Like there's no instances of it of like, you know, there are cis men who are pretending to be trans so that they can go in women's spaces and find women to attack. I've never heard of even one instance of this occurring, um, you know, and so it's like allegedly the thing that these people turfs like they're, you know, upset about is like people being sexually assaulted, which, yeah, we're all on board that sexual assault is really horrible. But, you know, at the same time, like those uh, those turfs are like, I mean, the people who the, the people like in that are at risk of being sexually assaulted, like trans women are at high risk of being sexually assaulted, you know, especially like, you know, with all the the issues that you're mentioning and, um, you know, so many things being criminalized, like I would imagine, like, you know, there's just like uh, there's there's not like the opportunity that people have to to be really be like fully protected in a lot of instances. Right. And and in the the same way that the um, hypothetical cis man who pretends to be trans to assault someone in a bathroom, this threat that doesn't really exist that we just have concerns about. That's a lot of the narrative on human trafficking when when you're, when you're talking about sex work and people having the ability to do sex work when they want to um you bring up the you bring up this scary thing that may or may not happen and at least statistically probably doesn't and you know i've mentioned also you know there's other the other people that are coerced into sex work besides people who are trafficked, that there are people that just have no other options as far as jobs. And those usually are people from a targeted community. Those usually are most of the ones that I have known are trans and criminalizing the Johns as, um, as you'll hear Swerf's urge. Well, that gives, that gives, those sex workers that are coerced because they have no other options, that gives them zero options instead of one. 
you know, yeah. and, and I would vastly prefer if trans people or, or members of any other targeted community um, or just people who had a just poverty forced them into the situation, whatever, I would vastly prefer if they had other options to get out um, and have other options to survive. But taking away the thing that's helping them survive, even if they don't want to do it, doesn't ultimately help them, you know? And um, that's, you, you hear all the time from sex workers who, who were stuck and, you know, get contacted by an anti-sex worker, allegedly anti-trafficking organization for, to help them get out. And and then they they realize that, that this these organizations are there to stigmatize sex work, not to give people real options to to get out. And uh, I was also mentioning the other like semi coercive sex work, um, where it would would be where someone who doesn't have an education, someone who doesn't have family money might be able to make a lot more in sex work than they could at whatever whatever job would randomly be hiring particularly if, if someone is trans or you know has lived in poverty or or these these issues where i've i've known trans people especially who were making really good incomes doing sex work and had no traditional qualifications for something that would pay nearly as much and do, do we really think it's more dignified for them in in this sort of semi-voluntary state of sex work do we think it's more safe and dignified and uh obje not objectified to to make them go get a minimum wage job uh, uh you know something at poverty wages than to make as as much money as 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 they can and the the a friend of mine that i had talked about specifically um from the trans community who is like looking at going back to college with money from sex work and that wouldn't have been possible and again the swerfs like pipe up with well we want her to be able to have all these other options we want you know her to 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 be able to thrive without doing sex work and so that's what I, I was just saying well what are you tweeting about what is yeah. your deal you know yeah yeah like nobody is like um nobody is like uh out here you know on the left anyway being like oh you know we shouldn't uh give people higher paying jobs, right? Like no one thinks that like everybody who is on the left at all thinks that like, you know, you should be able to have a, a like a, a decent life, no matter what job you have. But I mean, these people are like, just completely myopic about it. Um, one thing that you were mentioning, I don't know if it was in, in your thread or in our conversation, I can't remember, but um, just the particular challenges that trans people face, like when, you know, entering uh, the like carceral system, like we've talked a lot about like, 
why police and prison and jail are uh, awful and why being a leftist, at least in my mind, means that you should also be an abolitionist. But I was wondering if you could go into a little bit of like, you know, what are the particular dangers for trans people when arrested or incarcerated? Well, I mean, the, the default in almost every state is that you were placed among your assigned uh, gender at birth. And there are all kinds of, um, you know, gate kept mechanisms. It's, it's hard to get a name change on your license. It's hard to get affirming care, the things that are required to get, um, that would have those markers so that you would be put uh, in the correct um, system. But, and I'll, like, I won't get too graphic, but I mean, the, the sexual assault outcomes for a trans woman in a men's prison are just horrific. And um, especially one who, uh, in Georgia at least, they will allow at least hormones and there's still litigation going on about whether more affirming care than that could be available. Um, but when you're talking about somebody who has grown breasts, you know, whose, whose, whose body is, is feminized by hormones and whatever procedures that they've had, if they haven't had their, their birth certificate changed, your, your, making someone a clear target for assault. And there are, I, I just, I know so many horrifying stories just from incarcerated clients that not because the overlap, it's hard to say where the anti-trans hate violence and the, um, the sexual predation violence in prisons overlaps. Um, and you know, widespread, you're, you have guards and prison administrators who are less than likely to be the most progressive as far as protect, protect, uh, protecting trans people. And also just it, so many of these places are understaffed and yeah, there's just aren't those protections in place. and. So yeah, um, trans people have it especially bad in prison. Um, there are a lot of a lot of treatments are are gate kept from them, and then and it's one of those sort of like damned if you do, damned if you don't type things or or catch twenty two or whatever, where if you don't have the documentation to show that you've changed gender according to the law, you're going to be locked up with your assigned gender at birth. Then your access to the treatments and everything while you're inside in order to be housed with the correct gender, those are all gate kept. There's different barriers in different states, but none of them make it super easy. So uh, the state simultaneously is saying, well, you can't be housed with women unless you have all of this, these procedures done and all of this medical treatment. But also, you can't have any of that if you're already locked up. 
and makes it impossible to do anything other than just serve your time out um, as a in the, the the a prison that is you know intended for your assigned gender at at birth and um there's a lot of overlap with with sex work um as i you know mentioned that a lot of the a lot of the arrests and stuff that i've seen trans people have at least have some um sex work element i mean i'm talking about people who have some sort of like long-term incarceration um yeah and um but you know i i should say too that i i my job i, I don't work at like a, a you know civil rights nonprofit or something like that so my the, the clients that I represent, it's sort of the small number that I can handle um, in addition to my day job. So I don't have huge sample sizes either, but you know, I, I do know multiple um, incarcerated trans people and most of them um, have, have um, you know, sex work at least involved in, in where their charges come from. So, before, like, I mean, like, I, I would love to see a world where there is no prison um, in this world that we live in now, in this horrible country where mass incarceration um, is is a huge problem. Uh, what are some things that people can do right now or policies that people could be supporting right now that would help people? that are in this terrible situation? I think one of the biggest things is, is voting in local elections, um, voting for the public health and um, the lower level offices that you don't necessarily think of. You know, sheriffs are the ones that administer county jails. Um, and, and these elections often are won or lost by hundreds of votes instead of those you know like by all means vote in national elections but some of these ones that people don't pay attention to they have much more real effects on people's lives um than uh than, than people realize especially incarcerated persons and um you know i a fight that i kept having around the elections was that trans people kept bringing up um, Kamala Harris and her having, um, as attorney general, defended the policy of segregating, um, or sorry, of housing trans prisoners according to their assigned gender at birth. Um, and I am not excusing that, uh, that, that she did that. Um, but people talked about it in this shocked tone that made me think, I think you don't understand what an attorney general or prosecutor is if that is shocking to you that it's like it, it would be like a, um someone on the left tweeting like this cop i just interacted with was racist it's like it, the fact that you were finding that surprising worries me yeah um, and even in a blue state like california that that of course the default option is going to always be to defend the policy that is always in place. It would be so much more shocking if Kamala Harris had had 
not defended the policy of incarcerating trans people according to their assigned gender at birth. And again, that's not an excuse for her. It's just that I don't think people understand how bad some of this is and also how even in relatively blue cities or blue states, how often DAs, prosecutors, um, those the lower level functions like Secretary of well, not not Secretary of State's office, but like Attorney General's office, how often even progressives you run your race based on who's going to be the toughest on crime and who's going to be you know the meanest and the baddest. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people, when they go vote for, well, first of all, they only vote when there is a uh, presidential or congressional election. And then through those names, they skip, you know, or there's two Democrats and they just pick whichever one sounds better to them. Uh, because they're in, you know, a fairly blue area. And I, I think one of the biggest things that that people can do is vote for those policies at the local level and even funding for mental health, um, funding for, for women's shelters, things like that. A lot of times there are things at the city and county level that a person can get involved in that gives the kind of access to other resources and helping people get out that strengthening uh, cops' human trafficking budget will never do, you know? And yeah. um, like you said about we shouldn't be incarcerated in, incarcerating anybody, but but while we are, let's at least make this not horrifically inhumane for trans people. You know, I, I, if a politician says, what we need is to reform the police and you know not abolish the police obviously i'm going to question that, that thinking but like just to reform the criminal justice laws and police procedures as far as as who gets charged in a, in a human trafficking bus if there's no human traffickers there you know that who what it why do we live in a world what, that where there are police? What can we do to make it so that a sex worker can can call the police if they need to, to get get that access if they want to, you know, make it safe for them? Well, this has been a really illuminating conversation. I know we've touched on a lot of. Um you know, really, really difficult topics. Um, and I just really appreciate your time so much. Where can our listeners find you and support your work or support your clients? Um, well, my, um, my Twitter handle is at pink ranger LB at, um, uh, yeah, on Twitter. And I have a GoFundMe there just cause there's a lot of filing fees and costs. So I never charge clients. Um, but there are a lot of, um, gates that are kept as far as, as being able to file as an indigent person. So it just helps to have that, that legal fee money and, and stuff like that. And I just, I tend to talk about these things a lot. I, I, I usually won't talk about 
specific cases of clients for obvious reasons. Um, but, um, you know, I do um, represent uh, uh, an incarcerated trans person. And, you know, just if, if having that perspective is something people would be interested in, yeah, I'd love to have um, more more followers looking at these situations um, and more attention on on issues that could help my clients. So it's, uh, yeah, like I said, at Pink Ranger LB, and I know that was the longest possible way to have said that. Thank you so much, Lara. This has really been a pleasure, and we just really appreciate your coming on the show. Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Reply Guys, where we have a catalog of over 25 bonus interviews with renowned writers, journalists, and comedians, with an additional episode uploaded each week. The show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at O Julia Tweets, O-H Julia Tweets. And Twitter is where you can, of course, also find our reply guys. They are always with us. Bernie, take us out. walking that ribbon of highway, I saw above me that endless skyway. I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land. This land is mine.